the pitch. From King OX Sports. The Young swings and lifts a high fly ball. It's a grand slam! This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Shot clock off. Jumper. Yes! Jimerson from 15 on the baseline. Billikens win! Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Touchdown! Kansas City! Now, Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. On a Thursday night, we welcome you into the program. Just a one-hour show tonight as we lead you into Thursday night football. Tonight it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing host to the Baltimore Ravens. We've got a lot to get to between now and 7. If you'd like to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T. P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, Coming up today, we are going to uh, be joined in uh, just a little bit about uh, 6.20. We are going to be joined by Ryan Fagan as we'll talk uh, all things baseball, all things uh, World Series with him. Uh, We'll talk some blues hockey this hour. And also, uh, we'll continue on with something we were doing yesterday. Uh, Yesterday was uh, John Mozeliak's opportunity to address the media for the first time since the season had come to an end. And we played a lot of audio yesterday. Didn't get through all of it, so we are going to uh, continue on with that uh, coming up later on this hour as well. I just want to get into a few baseball things here in our opening uh, segment. First off, a lot was made during the Astros-Yankees series of the ballpark roof in Houston. Well, it has been announced that the roof at Minute Maid Park is going to be closed for Game 1 of the World Series tomorrow and also is expected to be shut for Game 2 as well. The forecast is calling for a 90% chance of rain uh, when the World Series opens up uh, coming up tomorrow. Major League Baseball uh, makes the decision during the World Series, and that's notable because during the regular season, um, I'm not sure about the rest of the playoffs. Maybe the I guess, I guess it is during the rest of the playoffs as well. Uh, the Astros as a team make the decision, but now that we get into the World Series, it is a Major League Baseball decision. There was a lot made of the roof being opened or closed. Uh, Aaron Boone thought there was a home run uh, that would have gotten out had the world had the roof been closed, but it was open, so the wind was blowing in. So, uh, yeah, there's just you always look at that roof stuff. As somebody who spent a number of years in Milwaukee watching games at a ballpark where there was a roof, I can tell you at least there there were there were rules about when the roof could be open and when it could be closed and how many times it could be opened and closed. They're trying the idea behind that was you try because the environment is different with the roof being open or the roof being closed. So the last thing you would want is say if the wind is blowing in to be opening up the roof and opening up the panels when the visiting team is batting and then starting to close them when the, when the home team is batting, that sort of thing. So there are rules in place in cities where uh, there is a roof on what to do. But that's, the, uh, that's one bit of news. The other bit of news is the fact that Justin Verlander is going to be starting game number one of the World Series once again. He had a, he had just an incredible season uh, this year. And uh, talk about a big-time resurgence. So it's going to be Verlander against Aaron Nola in game one of the World Series coming up tomorrow night. The Astros are considered the favorite to win this. Also, a little bit of news today coming uh, out of the National League Central. Uh, a guy who has done a really good job uh, in, in, his, in his role. 
David Stearns, who has served as the Milwaukee Brewers president of baseball operations. He is leaving his job. He stepped down from that role for the time being. He is going to serve as a consultant or as an advisor uh, with the Brewers. There's already rumblings out there that he could be headed somewhere else. He has been connected to the New York Mets for a very long time, and the Mets have kind of kept open that president of baseball operations position. They have a GM position. Uh, he, as it sits right now, he is still under contract in Milwaukee, so he would serve as a, like a consultant or as an advisor, but there also is a possibility that he would try to leave the organization to uh, to take another job. So really it was a weird i was watching the press uh, conference earlier today on MLB network it was it was weird watching it i wasn't shocked by this a lot of people in milwaukee were not shocked by it i think it's probably good for the cardinals to be perfectly honest with you because he's really good at his job he, he wasn't very good this year uh the, the josh hader trade really helped out uh, the Cardinals in a big way as the Brewers really tanked from that point forward uh, So the moves he had made. But you think about uh, what they were able to build under his leadership over the last five or so years. Uh, obviously, they became, uh, along with the Cardinals, those are the two teams that have been very good in the NL Central. Now, his top lieutenant, uh, Matt Arnold, who has been in the general manager position, so we will now move into that president of baseball operations role, he's going to take over. So perhaps not a whole lot will change there. But at the same time, who has the final say in decisions? That can make a difference. So some news uh, coming out of the NL Central today that is uh, interesting. All right, so here's what's coming up between uh, now and 7 o'clock. We're going to get into the outfield situation a bit for uh, the Cardinals and go through some comments that were made by John Mozalak uh, yesterday. Uh, we'll also uh, talk St. Louis Blues hockey. They come up short uh, yesterday. But uh, up next, we are going to be joined by uh, Ryan Fagan, senior Major League Baseball writer for the Sporting News. He joins us in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line. We're back after this here. On KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. 3-2 delivery. On its way. Swing and a high drive to center field. Get up, baby. Get up, baby. Get up. It was this day in 2011, Game 6, the David Freeze game. We all remember that game fondly, almost like it just happened yesterday, but it's been a little while. Right now, we're going to uh, welcome in. That was Game 6 of the World Series. We're still waiting another day for Game 1 of the World Series, uh, but we will head down to Houston and be joined by uh, Ryan Fagan, uh, Senior Major League Baseball writer uh, for the Sporting News. Ryan, uh, by the way, follow him on Twitter at Ryan, F-A-G-A-N. Ryan, thanks for your time. How are you? Doing great, Matt. How you doing, man? I'm good. So you tweeted out a couple hours ago pictured, and you're a baseball card guy, and uh, the baseball card that's in your uh, photo is a, uh, a Bo Jackson future star. I had that baseball. That, like, took me back to I don't know what year that would have been, but I, I definitely had that baseball card. I love seeing that photo today. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that 1987 top Bo Jackson is one of the greatest baseball cards ever. And, you know, I, I and then doing a lot of, uh, with uh, the baseball card hobby on Twitter. I started 
uh, using this as a wallet card. Basically, I keep that card on my wallet, which means obviously it's not not in very good condition. But you know, you keep it keep the card in the wallet and take pictures of it when you go places. And you know, I've got some other people started doing it too, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's a good time. So you know, standing there on the field for the World Series, you gotta gotta pull out the Bo Jackson wallet card. That's for sure. My favorite baseball card I ever had, and I wish I could find it. I don't know if you ever saw this. I don't even know who made it. But it was it was a super bow card, and it was Bo Jackson basically in like a Superman costume, and like the jersey was on on top of the S, and then on the back it was just all white, but written on the sideways. Sideways it said Super Bow, and I loved that card. That was my favorite baseball card when I was little. Yeah, what, what I've learned through through lots and lots of research is there's not a single bad Bo Jackson card. Every single one of them is amazing because it's Bo Jackson. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that sounds that sounds like a pretty great one too. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. All right, uh, let's get into the World Series a little bit. There's nothing you can do about it outside of just completely change the the way the playoff schedule is formatted, where you try to do something where games get, series get over and you just start right away. That's probably never going to happen, but it feels odd that it's been this long of a lead up to the World Series. Yeah, it's just it's a situation where both of the series went short. You know, I mean, I, it, it almost never happens. You usually see at least one of the league championship series go six games, and sometimes you'll have a scenario where one of the series ends quickly and the other one goes a long way, and then you have everyone talking about is it the rest that helps the team or is it the rust that hurts the team that's sitting around waiting. In this case, both of the series ended very quickly, and I think that was a little bit surprising. So, yeah, it does feel like you're you're just sitting around it's It'll be four nights between baseball games, which doesn't seem right in late October. But you know, and it, it, it's odd that it happens this year when they've condensed the playoff schedule more than they ever have, trying to fit all these games in. They took out um, what what was supposed to be. They took out an off day in the league championship series. There's usually an off day between game five and six. Well, there wasn't a game six. There was no off day to take out there. So. Yeah, it's ironic that this year of all years we had the league championship series end so quickly in um, the scenario where it does feel like it's been forever. You know, I mean, the Astros the Astros have played seven games. It's like 20-something days they played seven games because they had to buy. You know, they swept the division series in three games. They swept the LCS in four games. And, you know, their, their amazing play this month has made them sit around a lot mm-hmm. and just kind of trying to stay sharp and preparing for the next game. Do you- like you said, they've already sat around a lot, but this is an extended sit down before the World Series. Do you get the sense that there's any worry from the Astros that the momentum that they've had has dissipated over these four days? No, not at all. You know, we had the um, the media day here in Houston today, and the, you got the chance to go around and talk to a lot of the players. Um, you know, there was, it was harder to get to some of them. Guys like Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman had constantly a. Uh, 20 some odd media people standing around them, but you know, they're, they're, they're just excited. You know I mean? The world series is different, right? You know, it's cool to be in the playoffs. It's cool to do all these things, but the world series is different for the players, you know, because this is the stage that they want to get to, you know? So there's no worry about, I mean, quite frankly, anything, especially not sitting around because you're just excited to get back out there. I find the Astros to be interesting just from like a fan perspective because there's two forces here. There's the force A that I think a lot of people, if you're just a casual baseball fan, a lot of people want to see Dusty Baker win a World Series. But then on the other side of it, there's a lot of people who still really hate the Houston Astros because of the cheating scandal. How how do those two things kind of get reconciled against each other? 
you know, for some people, I don't think they, I don't think that it does, you know, because it, it, it is. I mean, they're two, they're two very strong pulls, right? Because I mean, Dusty Baker is, is a legend. He's an icon. He was a, a player that everyone loved, and he's been a manager, and he's had some, he's had some tough hands dealt to him in the postseason. Um, he's got some criticism, but a lot of the stuff that's happened to his team were not even remotely his fault. Um, so you want to see Dusty because he's, he is one of the sports just legitimately good people, you know, and you want to see good things happen to good people. On the other hand, you have this team that he took over. Obviously he had nothing to do with that. He was hired as manager as the team tried to clean it up. Um, You have this team that was right there involved in really quite honestly, the worst cheating scandal we've seen in baseball in a long, long time. So it it is very definitely two um, competing thoughts there. I think the more, that the Astros continue to win. Uh, it, I don't want to say it, it, it rolls back on what happened in 17 when they when they won the World Series and it was determined that they were cheating, but they're still winning, right? There are some of the same people there, but a lot of the lineups turned over. A lot of the people that are gone, that were here at that point, they're gone. A lot of the pitchers are gone. Um, there are still some people there. You know, Lance McCullers Jr. was talking about it today. He's like, because he was one of the people that was there in 2017, even though he was a pitcher and had nothing to do with it. You know, he said, we, we put ourselves in that position. We just have to wear it. And the only hope is that we can continue to win games. And eventually people say, you know what, maybe, maybe they are just a good baseball team. You know, so I think, you know, with time will heal to an extent, but there are certain, there are some people that are never going to let it go. And you know what, that's okay. I mean, they, they cheated. That's, that's what happened. And, if you don't want to forgive them for that, I mean, I, I, I get it. I guess that's the point. I, I get it if you want to hold on to that. Ryan Fagan, Senior Major League Baseball Writer for Sporting News, continuing to uh, join us. We've talked a lot about the Astros. It's interesting comparing these two teams because the Astros had World Series expectations where the Philadelphia Phillies were the last team to get in, and obviously they've gone on a good run, and it started uh, with a series win uh, against the Cardinals. Is how how do the Phillies go about making sure that it doesn't that they don't feel like they've already accomplished what they want to accomplish for this year and that they can go out and possibly win a World Series? I think the Phillies look at it like this. They they always thought that if they had everyone healthy and if they had everyone on the field and playing the way they should, they were a team that was very capable of winning the World Series. You know, I mean you look at the regular season totals and the Astros won 106 games and came in as this juggernaut. And the, the, the Phillies, like you said, the last team in, won 87 games. Um, could just kind of snuck in there some years. 87 wins doesn't get you into the postseason. Uh, this year it did. But, you know, they've got a good lineup, and they have good starting pitching. And they have, you know, they don't have a, a bullpen that's nearly as deep as the Astros. Because this, this, quite honestly, is one of the best bullpens you will ever see in a lifetime of watching baseball, just the arms that they have. I mean, they've got guys that have barely thrown a pitch in the postseason that would be the number two or three reliever on the Phillies in the Phillies bullpen. That's how good they are. But the Phillies have enough, and they've, they've had enough to get to this point. And this is a supremely confident bunch. And I think the contrast that's interesting to me is you have this Astros team where pretty much everybody's been in the postseason, aside from a handful of rookies, whereas the the um the Phillies are the exact opposite. You know, they've got Kyle Schwarber who was with you know in the postseason a lot with the Cubs and David Robertson was with the, in the postseason a lot with the Yankees, but that's about it. You know, nobody else has really been in the postseason very much. You know, Bryce Harper a little bit, but you know, JT Real Muto's had a fantastic career. He'd never been there. Zach Wheeler had never made a a, a postseason appearance. Aaron Nola hadn't, Zach Elfin, you know, 
um, Reese Hoskins, all of these guys who played a long time in the majors, most of it with the Phillies and never got this chance. And now that they're here, I, I can tell you quite confidently from talking to several of them today, they are not just happy to be here. You know, this is part of we're going to win this thing, and I think they, they feel very confident in their ability to do so. Yesterday, John Mosaylock held an end-of-season media availability, and he was asked, I think it was Benjamin Hockman from the Post-Dispatch, but I'm not 100% sure, who asked him a question. Looking at the National League uh, where uh, the two NLCS teams and the Phillies and Padres, they're both teams that spend a whole lot of money, and then you still have the Dodgers, you still have the Braves, you still have the Mets, and basically the question of Mosaylock was, does the environment in the National League, and specifically with those teams and the money that they're spending, does that change the way the Cardinals need to, to spend money? So I, I'll kind of ask you the same sort of question. Right now, obviously, there are a lot, the, the National League is very top-heavy. Does that impact the way the Cardinals should go about this offseason? You know, I think it's as much as anything, it's not that you're competing to get to the top of the regular season. It's you're competing to win a World Series, right? And I think that we've seen the way that you win uh, in the postseason. And, you know, there's two things you have to do. You have to be able to hit home runs. You know, and it's not just you have to have a couple of guys. You need to have a deep lineup. I mean, you look especially with the, the, the Braves when they won last year. I mean, the guy that hit number eight for them last year, most of the year, Dansby Swanson, hit 27, 28 home runs. The Astros have guys that can hit up and down the lineup. The, the Phillies have a lot of guys that can hit home runs, and I think that's that the Cardinals were lacking a little bit. You know, even Bob Fools came in and did what he did. I mean, the the truth is, without that, based a let's be honest, they, nobody expected Pujols to hit that many home runs. Get not you know much less get to 700, but go past it. You know, without him doing what he did, this is a Cardinals team that has a much a very different season because you have. Arnado and Goldschmidt, and they were both phenomenal. And they had other guys contribute, but they didn't have that other, you know, that other source of power. And how did they replace that? I think that's the reason, you know, Mozilla talked about in this press conference, you know, that they will spend more money next year. The, the, the payroll will go up. And I think that's something that, you know, I think Cardinals fans are happy to hear, but they want to see how is that going to happen, right? In what ways does the payroll go up? And I think that's, uh, that's going to be interesting to see. He is Ryan Fagan. He covers Major League Baseball for the Sporting News. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Fagan. Ryan, enjoy the World Series. Thank you so much for taking some time, and we'll talk again real soon. Always enjoy it. Thanks, Matt. All right, there's Ryan Fagan joining us here on Sports Open Line uh, live from Houston as the World Series is getting underway tomorrow night. Justin Verlander against Aaron Nola, the Game 1 pitching matchup. When we return, we'll continue to play some audio from yesterday's big media conference uh, at Bush Stadium with John Mozeliak. There's a few things we didn't get through uh, yesterday that I want to get through today, so we'll do that next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. We do continue on here on a Thursday evening. Only have you for another 25 minutes as we take you till about 7 o'clock. And then we will make way for Thursday night football. Baltimore and Tampa Bay tonight. I told you that we would continue to go through some audio 
from uh, yesterday's news conferences. We may get a little bit into uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, as John Mozeliak said a lot, when you talk for close to 40 minutes, obviously uh, you do say a lot. And wanted to get to uh, just a couple things uh, today specifically um, because he did talk about uh, the outfield and some decisions that they're going to be making in the outfield and some decisions that could be uh, impacted with young players on the way. So first off, let's start with uh, a couple outfielders uh, that uh, are set to that that are, are going to be back and did not really put together great seasons this past year. Uh, start talking about Dylan Carlson and uh, what he did in terms of battling through injury. He definitely was affected by his wrist. There's no doubt that he didn't have the year he had hoped for. Um, I think he tried to grind through it. But, you know, clearly we hope to see more. Um, when you're looking at, at our overall outfield production, it wasn't where we envisioned it, especially, you know, when you flip back the calendar one year and as we were planning on, on what 2022 was going to look like. So, um, you know, we still think we have talented guys, but you know, things are going to have to change and hopefully he can come into the season healthy. And, you know, I, I hope he's actually not swinging a bat right now, letting his wrist rest. And then, uh, you know, when the time is right, he can get it going again. I think I played this cut yesterday, but I'll play it again since we're talking about the outfield. He talked about the health of Tyler O'Neill and just the importance of him staying healthy. I think Tyler has a chance to be an exciting player, right? We, we, we saw glimpses of that, but, but obviously 2022 was not the year that, that he wanted nor the year that we wanted for him. Um, so adjustments have to happen. And I think the good news is he's going to be in St. Louis a lot of this offseason, so he'll have access to our training staff and, and you know be able to come down here and work at Bush. So I'm excited that he'll have that opportunity for prepping for 2023. But, you know, clearly... He, something has to change and he has to do something different. Yeah, that's it'll be um it'll be interesting to hear during spring training uh just to, assuming he is still in the organization and you would think he probably will be uh just to find out maybe what was different for him. And obviously you see his body type and you make these assumptions that maybe his injury history is connected to his body type. I don't know if that's true or not true. I don't know how flexible he is and, and what his workout regime uh, includes. Like, I don't I don't know any of that information, but the bottom line is he's had a hard time staying healthy, and he looks different than about 99% of Major League Baseball players out there. So you start to do the thing where you wonder, is that at all connected to it? Now, a name to remember, and I think right now the Cardinals are in a little bit of a weird spot because they need a couple more bats. And maybe one of those bats comes at the catcher position. Uh, if you if you end up with a Wilson Contreras, there's some other catchers out there. Uh, almost no matter who you go out and get, it's probably going to be at least a little bit of an offensive upgrade over Yadier Molina. Uh, you would hope that you can get a major upgrade at the catcher's position. We've talked about it a lot. So you still probably want to bring in another bat or two, certainly another bat that's a, a high-level, all-star caliber type bat. What positions is that? will that come at? And you do look at the outfield as a possibility. There's some middle infield possibilities open as well. At the same time, two very exciting prospects are on the way in Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn. And you would be crazy to not have that have at least some type of impact on the decisions that you are making uh, this offseason. And, and Mosaic talked about that a little bit and just um, – you know, the, the idea of being aware 
of the high-level talent in the pipeline that's going to be at the big league level sooner than later. I think, you know, right now we have a lot of talent coming with Walker, Wynn, to name a few. And so we got to be very careful on what we do this offseason in terms of, you know, making sure we still create opportunity. But, um, you know, we're not there yet. We have still time to discuss and how we want to think about redeploying our resources. And, uh, you know, as we start to explore both free agency and trade markets, we'll have a better idea what that looks like in the near future. You just mentioned Jordan Walker. Uh, we know how you talked about him in the past. With some of the things he's done in the fall league, has he expedited the learning curve that there's a realistic chance he could go to Jupiter actually competing for one of the three starting outfit spots? Yeah, I think it'd be silly for me to like rule out any possibility with him. Um, you know, he's he's had an incredible year. He's uh, you know, from a physical standpoint, he continues to get stronger. Um, from a performance standpoint, he continues to have success. So, in terms of of you know, trying to think through like a ceiling for him to where he might begin next year. I just don't think that's fair to him or us. But you know, we're definitely excited about what he, he he's bringing to the table, and and uh, certainly glad we have him. Yeah. So the Jordan Walker. There's basically a few things that I think can happen. First off, Walker does come to camp, hits just the absolute heck out of the baseball, and gives the Cardinals no choice but to put him on the Major League roster. That's one possibility. Another possibility is has a pretty solid camp. He goes to AAA, continues to play well, and you bring him up uh, a month, month and a half, two months into the season or so. Uh, the, I, I, the, the new rules when it comes to roster manipulation uh, changes things a little bit, but not not a ton when it comes to service time and getting that extra year uh, that can be impacted by how, if if you are voted on in terms of rookie of the year and stuff like that, but we're still going to see teams in terms of service time manipulation. That's still going to happen. That is still going to happen in major league baseball. That is not completely going away just because of the uh, rule changes that were made in the collective bargaining agreement last year. So that's a possibility. And then I think the third possibility and probably right now, the most likely possibility is that he gets to the big leagues towards the end of the season. He gets a taste of the big leagues and then that really sets him up uh, for the next year where he would be able to be come in and be an everyday guy right away, but not, not limiting themselves when it comes to Jordan Walker uh, is something that they need to do. And the fact, just knowing that Walker is right around the corner, that can impact the decisions that they're making in terms of bringing in a possible outfielder. I think that same discussion can be made on with Mason Wynn at shortstop. Now Walker, there's a scenario where Walker forces his way onto the roster at the beginning of next season, like we just went over. I don't think there's that much of a scenario where we see that with Mason Wynn, but still, Wynn is going to be with the Cardinals sooner than later. And with that in the background, uh, Moselak yesterday was asked whether or not uh, they are targeting a shortstop in free agency. I think right now is we understand that there there are options out there. Um, how we decide to to deploy our resources is still something that we're we're working through, and you know having players like Tommy Edmond definitely give you flexibility because we know they can he can play other positions. But 
you know, one of the things you have to understand is when you when you move him off of short and where do you move him to? And when you some people throw out the outfield, I mean, then are you really changing your offensive profile? And the answer is probably not. And so, you know, ultimately, those are the things that we have to internally decide. And as I mentioned earlier, good news is we have a little time to think through that. It's a really good shortstop market and free agency this year. That's made, it's Shortstop is probably the position that has the most high-level talent that's out there to get. And then at the same time, you got Mason Wynn sitting right now, right there. Now, are there guys out there that would take a, a two-year deal at a high annual average value uh, where you don't have lock them in long-term? Probably, I don't know, like most guys want long-term deals. And the only way uh, that happens is if all of a sudden it's coming up on spring training and a player doesn't have a deal and he ends up signing kind of a, a heavy one-year contract and we'll try it again next season. And that that happens a lot when money is not being spent. And that really takes us back to the central question of this year's offseason. To me, There is no bigger question. This is not just Cardinals related. This is all of Major League Baseball related. We have seen a significant downtick in spending over the last just under 10 years. Now, last year, there was a little bit of a, there was kind of a deadline. There was some urgency, and we saw some money getting spent before the lockout went into effect, and some money was being thrown around like we hadn't seen in previous years. I don't know how much of that was organic and how much of that was connected to the fact the teams wanted to get as much of their roster put together as possible before the lockout officially got underway. So what's going to happen this offseason? This offseason, to me, is one of the more interesting offseasons we have seen in a really, really long time in Major League Baseball because that that CBA negotiation was largely centered around players feeling like owners were driving salaries in a downward direction. And we have seen very slow off seasons. We've seen tons of guys still being available as spring training opens. And I'm really curious. And I, I don't generally, I like telling you what I think is going to happen. I don't know. I have zero clue, zero inclination. I don't know what this offseason is going to look like, if it's going to pick up a little bit, if owners are going to go back to kind of operating the way the way they were previously, where it was almost like you take the high-level guys, you get them their money, and then all the other guys, you just let them sit and you just drive down salaries until finally they're willing to accept a somewhat low contract because spring training is getting underway or it's already underway, whatever it might be. I, I don't know what it's going to look like. I really do wish that baseball had um, a fast start to the offseason the way you see in like the NBA. Somebody mentioned this the other day, the other day. We had him on the program. I forget who said it, so I apologize. You can always go back and listen to the podcast version at KMOX.com and on the Odyssey app. But somebody mentioned the fact that baseball not having a salary cap, things are different because in the NBA, there's only a certain amount of money the teams have to spend, so players are more willing to go get their piece of the pie as early as possible. I'm not saying baseball needs a salary cap. Baseball is never going to get a salary cap, at least not any time in the near future. Uh, but I just, I wish, I wish there'd be a way to artificially influence the free agent market to be a little bit faster once free agency opens after the World Series comes to an end. But it just never seems to happen. All right, we'll talk some St. Louis Blues hockey when we uh, return and wrap up the program. Blues come up short yesterday. They've lost two in a row tonight. 
They are in action against Nashville as they play a back-to-back. We will uh, continue on in just a moment. We're taking you till 7 o'clock. That's when we make way for Thursday Night Football. It's Sports Open Line here on KMOX. in the first period, you know. Um, you know, coming off a trip like that, sometimes that does happen, but uh, I thought after that we were the better team. We got going, had a good second and a good third. That was Craig Berube last night after the Blues come up short against Edmonton, losing by a 3-1 score over the last two games. Both losses, they have been outscored now 7-1. to That was after their undefeated start to the season when they won their first three games. They're on a back-to-back tonight. Always tough uh, when you travel on these back-to-backs like they're doing. They are in Nashville this evening. They're going to match up against the Predators, and that game is going to get started in uh, about 10 minutes or so. Uh, here you're going to be able to hear uh, Thursday Night Football. That's what we have for tonight as the Ravens and the Buccaneers are in action. A few other things that were said uh, after the game yesterday. Uh, Barubi was asked about uh, what his team is doing offensively after, again, they've scored just the one goal over the last two games. Oh, I believe so, for sure. I mean, even on a PP there in that, in that third period, I mean, man, we had some good looks, but he made a couple saves and we missed the net a few times on that, so... Um, it's close. Even with the goalie out, we were right there. We had a couple of good looks, but uh, you just got to stick with it. You know, the goal scoring is funny sometimes. You just you dry up sometimes. I know it doesn't happen to us a lot, but right now it's at that point. Um, we got to just we got to simplify it, and we got to go get some dirty goals. That's the bottom line. And we had heard Barubi talk uh, early before yesterday's game. He talked about playing closer to the net. And a lot of times you get kind of those dirty type goals that he's referring to when you are closer to the net. So we'll see if anything really changes uh, during tonight's game. Jordan Bennington finishing with 25 saves. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who had the only goal for the Blues yesterday, was asked about uh, the goalie play that they're getting right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's you know that's something I think we're all very confident in is, you know, the way our goalies can play, and it's just you know doing a better job in front of them. You know, I think uh, yeah, again, a couple little mistakes, little details that you know might have made them have to work a lot harder than they have to. But you know, when we got good goalies like that, it's know that um, you know when we do play good defensively, you know, we're going to be in every game and have a chance to win. And Bennington himself was also asked about uh, overall from a team standpoint uh, how he and uh, his goalie tandem partner and Thomas Grice, the uh, production that they've been able to give the team so far this year. Yeah, he was solid last game. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. And uh, hopefully we can just keep building. And, and you know, we're, we're doing all right, but we're 3-2. and two and, and we want to, you know, um, separate ourselves uh, as much as we can early and continue to just look up from there. So... We're going to keep our heads down, keep working, and uh, keep trying to give the team a chance to win. And they're right back at it tonight as uh, Ryan O'Reilly talked about the uh, the challenges, the advantages of playing in these back-to-back games. Yeah, it's frustrating. But I think you know, kind of got what we deserved. You know, we didn't start off very good in this period. The uh, first period was you know, on our heels, just watching a lot. And, um, you know, it was right there for us, especially, too. I think, um, you know, one play I thought was a hook and, you know, it's turnover and icing and it's in the back of the net would have been, you know, Bad bounce, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, we had good pressure at the third. It would have been, um, you know, I thought we had a chance to win it. Unfortunately, we didn't, but uh, yeah, we'll respond, get back at it tomorrow. 
Indeed, they are back at it. What was tomorrow is now tonight. The Blues are in action as they take on the uh, Edmonton Oilers this evening. See if they can uh, take this uh, two-game losing skid that they're on and uh, turn it around. By the way, once they're done with tonight's game, they are going to have a run of home games. They're going to have a three-game homestand coming up. That's going to go Saturday, Monday, Thursday. They'll match up against uh, Montreal and then against the Kings and then eventually against New York. So that's what's coming up for uh, the Blues here moving forward. And that's just about going to do it for uh, this edition of Sports Open Line. Again, we've got uh, Thursday night football coming up tonight as the Ravens and the Buccaneers, they are in action in Tampa. Ravens 4-3, and three, Buccaneers 3-4. and four. The call from Westwood One Sports, it's coming up next right here on KMOX.